We all know the turmoil that automakers and their suppliers and their dealers and their employees have gone through in the last year. But what has not been reported as widely or thoroughly is the complete upheaval that's hit the automotive advertising world. Agencies that have served brands well for years are being unceremoniously dumped in the quest for fresh blood and new ideas. Work that was always sourced in the Detroit area is now moving elsewhere in the country. And in one case, one that is considered heresy in advertising circles, one automaker has actually brought all of its agency work in-house, so far with pretty good results. To learn more of how the automotive advertising world is being shaken to its very foundation, I've got three advertising experts joining me on today's show. David Kiley is a former advertising veteran, now a correspondent for AOL Autos. Gene Halliday is an automotive journalist who covers the advertising beat. And Gary Topoleski is an award-winning advertising agency director. If you want to know how the automotive advertising world is being turned upside down, stay where you are. We'll be back in a moment. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Thanks for joining us here in the studio talking all about advertising and the advertising agencies with Gene Halliday, a journalist who writes about advertising for Automotive News, David Kiley with AOL Autos, and Gary Topoleski, an agency creative director. Great having you all here. Thank you. Gene, let me start with you. I mean, we've seen so much restructuring in the auto industry, plants being closed, people being laid off. We all know about how that's impacted the car side. But the agency side, the advertising side of the business has been impacted greatly, has it not? It has, not just in Detroit. There's been so much agency churn. I mean, you'd have to say probably because of in 09, the the auto business in this country uh, was on such a decline that every and once one company starts doing it, it's this is a very copycat industry, and it's like this snowball just kept going. And of course, we have brands going away like Saturn and Pontiac. Um, Hummer and Saab and mm-hmm. yeah, you bet. So there's a lot of loss of jobs and agencies. I mean, and uh, different ways of trying to do business. Smaller agencies having a better chance at the work, and not just these big uh, publicly traded holding companies, which uh, for a long time enjoyed a lot of the uh, big profits from the car companies. And it, you know, I suppose in some way it was, it was time for them to suffer some, but they have suffered mightily. David, I got to believe this has been big news in, on, in the advertising business. It has been. I mean, I've written about this area for Business Week and Ad Week for 20, 20 years. I've never seen so many car companies, and the car, car count is the jewel. Every agency of any size wants one, and they don't feel like they're a really a full-service agency if they can't park a car in their lobby. But in the last few months, Chrysler has completely turned its agency relationships upside in. They have uh, three new agencies working for them. Uh, they got rid of their longtime agency, BBDNO. Uh, Cadillac has changed agencies. Volkswagen has changed agencies. Chevy, which has had the same ad agency since Woodrow Wilson was in the White House. Campbell- 1919, unbelievable. Campbell right? Now, Campbell Ewald's still working for Chevy, but GM, the new GM, has decided that with so much importance around Chevy, they are, uh, for each product they bring out, they're going to have agencies from all over the country and maybe even some from around the world because Chevy's a world brand now. 
compete to launch the advertising for that. And now Mitsubishi, which a lot of us have forgotten about, they're looking for a new agency. And this is all within like <coughs> six months. Which I've never seen that kind of activity. Yeah. And uh, Gary, how does that impact somebody like you, a creative director? You know, if I think a couple of decades ago, whenever there was big agency upheaval in Detroit, yeah, everybody lost their job and then they got in their car, they drove down the street and they got a new job at a new agency. I imagine it's not quite going like that these days. No, you're right. You're right, John. It is. Uh, it has been that way where you could just move from one shop to another and there's a lot of, uh, you know, you wind up at one shop and you see someone from the shop before. But it's almost like you can kind of see, see this coming in a way. I mean, I've been, uh, I worked at many large agencies, but you can almost see that there's got to be some sort of a restructuring. Um, you know, I think the, to, the agencies have grown so much that they're, they're trying to reformulate themselves and to try to find some vision and some direction. And I think the same thing is happening to the, you know, obviously what was happening to the automobile companies um, because the agencies are a huge reflection of what, what the automobile companies are. Uh, so there's, there's this metamorphosis going on right now, and I don't think anybody's really found the answer yet. And I think the first step was, well, let's get a new agency. Uh, well, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, but, and, that, and that's all good because I think it, it's nice to, to mix things up and get other perspectives, but sometimes those new agencies are kind of like the same kind of model that they had with the old agencies. And I've been in situations where, you know, it's, the automobile business is very difficult to work on. I mean, it's a very, very difficult. Uh, well, the agencies are the first ones shot behind the shed, right, <laughs> when a car doesn't sell. And, and then the agency people tell me, well, we, all we did is what the client asked us to do, and they approved everything. And that's a problem mm -hmm. in the industry. It's one, probably my biggest mm -hmm. beef is that the car companies themselves promote people mostly from sales and marketing okay. that's their that's their background not advertising and if you uh, over the years if you look at the car companies that have hired people from advertising agencies uh, the work improves at, as you know at the client the work gets much better and that is uh, that's what they should be doing really you know we've talked about Hyundai in past shows and how well they're doing on their advertising and marketing well the head of marketing there a guy named Joel Uwanek he didn't come up through parts and service and all this. He came up, he worked at the Richards Group and Goodbead Silverstein, you know, which are two very, very good ad agencies. And he brings a whole new mindset to that company about what's good, what makes for good advertising. And the other thing is you have to remember, John, if you're a car company and you're having problems, you know how long it takes to fix a product line, right? I mean, it could take years. Four, five, six, seven years to straighten out a, a problem product portfolio, you can change your advertising 180 degrees in three, four, five, six months. Um, you know, so that's one of the reasons they had such a terrible year last year in 09. I mean, such a stressful year uh, that, you know, I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of these agency uh, fractures. But, you know, take General Motors and Chrysler, anyway, through bankruptcy. So all of these political relationships that had long been in place between their, their agencies, those are completely gone. I mean, there's still relationships, but those political cemented relationships that, that permeated, that, that's all over with. Talking about stresses in the industry, especially the advertising industry now, everyone seems to want to spend more money on digital, on the internet, especially social media. How does that impact somebody like yourself, Gary? Well, I mean, I still think that it's, it's the same thought. I mean, you have to have an idea to begin with. I mean, I, I, I love how the social media, media, the 360 degree uh, campaigns, et cetera. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, buzzwords, but I think if you don't have anything to say, I mean, you can't take a 30 second TV spot and jam it into a social media 
uh, channel. It just doesn't work. You have to know how to use those channels, but you still have to have an idea behind them. And I think that's the thing that, that, that I think a lot of agencies are still, and advertisers are still trying to discover on how to use that. Properly. Well, I don't think uh, some of the social media is the is the core competency of some of these big ad agencies, and that could be part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I agree, you need a big idea, and I think Ford has used social media even uh, so wisely with the Ford Fiesta movement, uh, with social media and creating buzz for this car, and they probably didn't spend that much money. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's everywhere, and people know what it is and like it. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's very doable that you just have to have some smart thinking about how to use it. What do you all think about, you know, online, none of us have the patience for anything. You know, we want instantaneous whatever we're looking for. So a 15-second ad might be acceptable. A 30-man, you're really pushing it. Anything longer than that is is forget it. People are going to go click on something else. So, but can you really tell your message? Can you get it across in a 15 second well, time Well, here's the, here's the challenge which everybody is looking for all the time, which is that you're right. I mean, nobody wants to click banners on, uh, for example. But what people do seem to be interested in doing, uh, if you take Facebook for an example, is sharing things. So you see car companies and, and other companies developing games, uh, you know, for example, that people participate in and they get their networks to play in. And the brands are being, you know, sort of uh, inserted and insinuated into all these things. Some of them are sponsored by brands. And and also, you know, back uh, in, uh, in the Super Bowl, there was an ad uh, for Google and, and they made some, some noise um, about, because it was the first real ad that they had done. But, you know, within 24 hours, people had taken this ad, which was about search, and had started parodying it and making their own versions of it and sharing it in their social network channels. That's the holy grail. When you can get somebody engaged in your brand where they want to share it. And some agencies are good at this and they get it. And other agencies are just want to keep making 30 and 60 second TV ads, um, and 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 I think the the marketers, the automakers, are saying, yeah, we still got to do that, but man, we have to open this up to the best ideas because the best ideas are going to win, and we need to get them from everywhere. But this goes back to I think the clients don't know how to approach social media or how to use it. Mm-hmm. If they had worked in the advertising world, as they would, they would probably get, have a better grasp on how to use it. I really believe so that. So memo to automakers, hire advertising hire, people to do your advertising. Well, I think it even goes beyond advertising because I think even to some degree advertising is kind of like a dead word because advertising is, all, is almost one way. And I think the thing that, like, like David mentioned, a lot of these agencies, they don't know the other side of it. It's like I say hello to you and then you say hello back. They don't know, you can't say hello again. <laughs> you got to say, well, okay, what, okay, how do I keep this conversation going? And, and it's like David had mentioned, and, and Gene, it's like one of those things that it's sharing. It's, it's, it's perpetuating this idea of the brand and, you know, what makes it relevant to me. And people don't know how to carry on that conversation necessarily. They're, it's almost like one way. So it's like, and I think that comes from the word advertising, which is advertising going this way. But with the social media, you have to learn how to continue that dialogue. And a lot of agencies don't have that next, okay, what do I say now that they've responded? Tell me about what you think of longer formats. For example, movie theaters are showing ads right now, and and you're not under a 30-second time crunch to get the ad done. Uh, 
Kia right now is doing a lot of advertising in movie theaters because it says people are more open to a message, they're relaxed, they can't fast forward through the mm -hmm. ad, they don't have a remote. What's your thinking of having a longer format to work with? I, you know, I, I think, again, it depends on how relevant it is because I, I'll tell you just first and foremost, if I go to the movies and it starts at 3 o'clock and I have to sit there for a half hour and watch a bunch of trailers and things of that nature, I'm not real happy. So that's one of the things that's very dangerous about it as well. It has to be relevant and entertaining and something that, that actually means something. It just can't be a bunch of special effects and things, guys blowing up and things of that nature. It has to be relevant. So you got to really be careful with that, you know, because, it, again, as you're intruding on people's time, and that's the, that's the case throughout any of this stuff, any kind of media or any kind of dialogue that you create, it's like, I mean, I can get, I would get off, you know, if you're having dinner with somebody and, and they're not, relevant or they're boring, I mean, you get up and leave, right? So, I mean, you got to be very careful with that. And, and again, it goes across all media. You talk about movie theaters, John, the other place where you're not under time constraint really is on the internet. And so, there are some companies playing around with things like webisodes and 90 second and two minute ad advertising, but whether you're in a theater or whether you're on the internet, you get the same burden if you're the advertiser putting it out there. It's got to be good. It's got to be engaging. You know, it's been 10 years or more since BMW Films came out and created that great series of films that featured BMW product was really the star, but, you know, there were other stars, you know, involved too. Um, I think if you're in a theater, I, I would say this, that I'm waiting for the advertiser to be so good and take this opportunity so seriously that when you go to the theater, you're hoping that the next, you know, I'll say Cadillac film is going to be the, the, the warm-up, the way when we were kids they used to show cartoons and whatnot or little uh, our gang shorts or whatever when you were a kid, John. <laughs> Before the main feature. Before but, color. <laughs> but there's a, there's a huge opportunity to engage if the client and the creative talent around them understands the opportunity, and it's, a, it's remarkable to me how many few do. Well, unfortunately, what they're doing is it's the same commercial that you would see on TV is yeah. what you see in the movie. For the most part. They might add 20 seconds to it, yeah. but it's basically the same thing. So it's not as engaging mm -hmm. or as fun as it could be or as creative as it could be. No, and again, I would say that again to, to, your, to uh, you know, Gene and David's point also is that it, you know, I mean, it has to be good. I mean, I, I know that sounds very simplistic, but almost like if you're going to be in a movie theater, you almost have to be Super Bowl caliber. I mean, I, I would look at it that way, not just taking something that you ran on the air and put it on there that was very maybe tactical, but, you know, it's the fallacy that just because I air it doesn't mean I'm going to listen to it, you know? Well, to me, the fallacy is that I hear this all the time. Oh, I hate advertising. People hate advertising. It's not true. People hate advertising that is either irrelevant to their lives, like I don't really need to see dog food ads because mm, I don't have a dog. Um, and my kid's had a diaper, so I don't care to see diaper ads. Um, and, uh, uh, and it's the same. It, it needs to be engaging, entertaining, and it should make sense. It should connect somehow to the brand. I go back to the BMW Films example. I've seen other people try this. Uh, short films and webisodes and, and often, often totally leaves my head scratching. What the heck did that have to do with the brand that sponsored it? And it's like, it just leaves me like, why, what was that? Why did I just watch that? I don't get it. And we talked about the lawyer's involvement, too. And we know, yeah. and part of uh, the, is the process, I think. It depends on the car company, and they have a different process. Mm -hmm. And how many levels of, of approval, right. and who does it offend, and who doesn't it offend, and whose wife likes it, and whose wife, do, you know, mm -hmm. which executives. And that's 
come up. <laughs> right. Well. And and whether they pre-test it, which is, you know, you can end up with vanilla, really. Right. Volkswagen never used to pre-test their ads back with, mm -hmm. in the fun days of the new Beetle, and they did some fantastic work back then. And we'll talk about that, because Volkswagen has just changed their agency yeah, yeah. again, and right? Yeah. The new work is, is good. I like it. They're I, on the right track there. Advertising, I mean, Volkswagen, as you know, has some really ambitious goals, you know, to increase their sales. Oh, their sales goals are... Like 800,000 <laughs> by 2018, and they've got a new factory going, and the, when those models come online, they're going to be less expensive than what we're used to with Volkswagen. So they are, they're hitting the reset button, and they've taken this line that they want to use globally, Das Auto, which, you know, love it or not like it, they've decided this is our global line. So they wanted a new ad agency to really make this Das Auto message relevant and engaging to, you know, to a new audience and, and to generate awareness of their uh, growing product line. But um, Volkswagen is, is, a, is a brand more so than others that just advertising is so much a part of their brand DNA. They've been, every time they come up with a new, choose a new ad agency or create a new campaign, there's that extra bit of attention on it because they wrote the book on modern advertising in the 1960s, so. But if they're also good, Gary, how come they have to keep changing agencies? Well, again, I think that has a lot to do with um, I think it has a lot to do with the internal structuring of how the companies are, are organized. And I think sometimes, um, uh, you know, maybe things get stale, but they're really not that stale. And I think that, you know, if they need a change, if they signal a change, maybe they don't need a change. And I, I think particularly in Volkswagen's case, I think that we'll see because Volkswagen has a higher standard. I mean, they've got a history of doing great, great work. And if you just kind of uh, drop a notch below that, you're criticized and, you know, maybe you're looking for another agency. Part of the magic between a client and an ad agency is, are the, is the chemistry between the leadership of the ad agency and the leadership of the company. And what we've seen is that there's so much transience. Uh, you know, the, the average tenure of a chief marketing officer on the client side is about 20 months. So you got a new CMO, chief marketing guy who comes in, and he's got to make his mark, or he's got a relationship with another ad agency he's more comfortable with. So you get all of, you get a lot of reasons why agencies, agency relationships, and 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 just the output changes. New marketing people, no chemistry with the agency people, or vice versa, and it goes sideways. And you know, it's a very disposable. Uh, relationship. You can change your agency and get a new campaign up in three months if you want to. But you can lose momentum. There is a danger to, to changing because, um, I mean, absolutely, if the relationship has fallen apart or you have a new person in, but the moment you can lose your momentum while the new agency gets up to speed on the brand and mm. not, I mean, we don't see that with every single new agency, uh, new car agency, Ooh. but I mean, it's, there's a lot there's, to know about a, the brand. There's been what I call a come to Jesus at Ford, which has had the same agency really since Truman was in the White House, okay? <laughs> so in the 40s. And, and they realized that they were doing a terrible disservice to their brand by letting the marketing person come in, a new marketing person come in every 18 months and change the strategy for Ford brand. And so they did this for, you know, 10, 12 years to the point where nobody knew 
what Ford cars were supposed to stand for because they kept changing strategies like they changed their socks. And Jim Farley came in and was like, enough of this. We're going we're gonna to stand point with this drive one campaign and effort. We'll always try to get better, but we are not changing the, miss the mission or the message. We'll always try to make it better, but we're not changing. We're not throwing slogans against the wall to see if they stick anymore. Well, what do you all make then of uh, Chrysler and General Motors essentially having blown up their relationships with their agencies? Probably not a surprise considering the no. turmoil in the, in the Chapter 11s. But um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the new agencies perform. We, we don't... Uh, well, I mean, is it going to be better? I mean, it depends. Again, it goes back to the client, too. Do they know what their brand stands for? Do they know how, what is good creative, what the message should be? How do you engage people? I mean, it does go back to the, the client. There's a saying in the business that um, the client gets the, the advertising they deserve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Chrysler is one, you know, being run by, by the Italians from Fiat. They have a much different sensibility uh, than Americans do about advertising, about photography, about art direction, the whole, the whole bit. So they get rid of their agency, which was in Detroit, and they now have an agency. They have Nike's agency out of Portland, Widening Kennedy. They have Fallon out of Minneapolis. They have Richards Group out of Texas. And they have the Jeep Agency is out of California. It's Global Hue. Global Hue, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they are, look, you can't, in a global business, it's crazy to restrict your creative output on the agency side to people who are, happen to be willing to live in the greater Detroit area. I mean, you're sourcing your parts from, from China and from India and from, Eastern Europe, why are you sourcing your advertising creative from Warren, Michigan, and only, and or Troy, Michigan, only? Well, well let's ask a guy who's yeah. in Michigan and does that very thing. <laughs> why, why should they do their ads uh, with agencies here in Michigan, Gary? Well, I mean, first of all, selfishly, I think that if we did have the opportunity to do it, I mean, there are plenty of creative people here, but I think it's kind of like been blown up, obviously, and you, you hate to see business leave town. I mean, our town has been you know, I mean, it's been shattered. Turned upside by, down. Turned upside yeah. down, and you, and you don't like to see that, but I mean, it's one of those things where, um, again, I think it goes back to the to the, the point that maybe the, the agencies aren't totally at fault here, and I think it's everybody, and I think searching for new ideas is certainly something that you want to extend beyond Detroit, but um, I would like to see Detroit be involved as well, not totally. But is it hard to get good people to come to Detroit? Oh, it's always creative. been very hard to get good people to come to Detroit, and it's... Yeah, and I, but I do think again, when when you do come here and you can able to be successful at it, and you know what, you know what you can do. I mean, the automobile business is very di more, much more difficult than working on a candy bar, for example. And, and we know that, and we've had people come here that we've hired in um, from California, from New York, and sometimes they can't, they can't deal with it. You know, it's not as you know they can't do zany, you know, the zany things, but they have to be a little bit more smart, more clever more unexpected, and it can't just be, let's just, uh, you know, put some, something out there that's totally whacked out. I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into it, and there's a lot of bureaucracy that has to go through it that you have to cut through, but you not have to learn how to manage that, and some people can't. But um, I do believe in extending beyond the borders. I think that's always refreshing. No one's got a lock on a good idea. I mean, I've always been for reaching out to to our uh, partner agencies in New York or California or overseas. When I worked on Jeep, it was actually very... Uh, uh, enriching to do that. I worked with uh, the creative director in Mexico City. I worked in the creative director in London, and we all worked together because we love the brand. And that's been going on for a long time, where the big agencies in town mm -hmm. 
would go to other offices in their network, not outside their network so much, right. and that could mm -hmm. be under the same holding company umbrella for ideas around the world. That's that's been going around for some However, time. However, having worked at two agencies, we're down at the end, right? Yeah. Having worked for two big a agencies, some of that takes place. But the other thing that sh that these agencies shot themselves in the foot about were. In, if it wasn't invented here, they, they didn't want to show it to the client because they've got office space to justify, salaries to justify, their own profit and loss. And if they're going to California, New York, and elsewhere for their ideas, it makes them look like a less valuable asset, you know, even if they don't have the best people. And that dynamic has really hurt the, the, the advertising scene in the, in, uh, in the greater Detroit area and, and the product that they've been selling to the automakers as well. Well, with that, we're going to have to wrap it up, but thank you all. This has been a fascinating discussion, especially for me who doesn't know that much about that side of the business. This has been a real learning experience. Thank you very much. And thank you for tuning in. I'm going to be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. I sure learned a lot on today's show, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this discussion as much as I did. This is an important side of the business that usually doesn't get covered in the mainstream media. And you know, if you like this show, you might also want to watch AutoLine Daily. It's a seven-minute webcast that covers the latest news that's coming out in the industry, no matter where that news is happening. You can watch it at AutoLineDaily.com, or you can even sign up for our free newsletter and have it emailed to you every day. But that wraps up this show. For all of us here at AutoLine Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you right here next week.